With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. No intro from you today, huh? Bam, we're here. Nope, I already sold out that you're a fair-weathered Eagles fan, so don't worry. Episode 27 of the Sims and Lefko Podcast. We are in between weeks two and three of the NFL preseason. I am here with Chris Sims. We have Josh Fendrick on the ones and twos, manning the volume. We're going to be joined by NFL insider for Bleacher Report, Jason Cole. We might even be having a return of On the Down Low with Steven Nelson, which I am very excited about. Always. So much to get to. I literally have a list of about 25 things, topics that you want to get to. Right. So much. We'll try and do rapid fire in a little bit, but first... I want to do three major stories that are going on right now. Get your takes in on In the them. world or football? In the world of the NFL. This is an NFL podcast <laughs> okay. with a little Well, flavor. last week you hit me up with Donald Trump, so. Yeah. Is this the last week before video or the second to last it's week? This second. is the second to last week. So we're going to do episode 28 next week, and yes. then episode 29 will be uh, before week one. Should we the say end. the guest of the first one or say that for next week? We'll save it for we'll next week. We'll save that for next week. Okay. Yeah. First one up. Oh, my God. I'm just realizing this. 30 minutes into this, I'm going to get a call to do a radio show. But Of course. I'm there sorry, Louisville. Hey, there's Adam Lefko. Hey. I'm a goofball. All right. First one, Martavis Bryant. Uh, just really coming down as we were getting ready to do this. Uh, Adam Schefter and multiple media reports that he is facing a substance abuse violation of the Code of Conduct. Uh, could face up to four games uh, pending appeal, so he could appeal. But this is a team, the Steelers team, that does not have Le'Veon Bell already for two weeks. Right. Martavis Bryant out for four, and it's a really tough four-game stretch for them. Martavis Bryant, this whole, what was your first reaction to hearing that? Well, I, I was disappointed to hear about it because I, just as a football fan, I want to see Martavis Bryant this year. I think he's one of those guys. I think we would all agree from what we saw last year, from what we've heard so far to this point in training camp, what we saw in preseason. Uh, he looks like he's on the verge of becoming a superstar alongside superstar. of Antonio Brown. Right. Uh, 21.2 so, yards per catch, yeah. eight touchdowns last year, and he didn't even have that many catches. Their first four games at Patriots – 49ers at Rams Ravens right all four of those defenses are going to be serious yes and this is a team that many people believe could make a run to the playoffs or the Super Bowl my first thought was if they lose one of those games that maybe they shouldn't have that could be home field advantage it could be you're exactly right I mean I think that's I think they're in the playoffs regardless. Yeah. So that, that's where it, one of the things I look at it. But, yeah, I think when you lose a guy like Martavis, now maybe you do lose a game you weren't going to lose those first four games. Uh, and, yeah, now you're going in as a wild card instead of home field advantage. It's a big blow, not the end of the world. Uh, Marcus Wheaton, he will be the other guy opposite Antonio it's Brown. It's funny because I've seen a lot of people ask you, why isn't Bryant playing over Wheaton? And maybe this was the answer. I, I think that's exactly right. I'm sure that Pittsburgh knew this was going on the last few weeks. So you right. fail a drug test, you go into the program, right? So now you're in the program. Do you get in, in any trouble other than just going into the program? No, you go into the program. But it's 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 pitiful being in the program. It Why? really is because you're basically 
basically like on parole. You have to call and say, I'm leaving this state and going to this city. You really? have to be let you let it be known where you're going to be at at all times. I was a player rep for the Bucks, so I had I had to be involved with some of this stuff. And then the other thing, too, yeah, now. How many piss tests do you take? Well, it could be one, two, three a week. So you don't wow. know, right? They could come on a Monday, and you think, oh, I'm good for the week. Uh, and then all of a sudden they come around Wednesday again, and they basically call you. And that's and- for, what, a calendar year? For, no, for two years if you're in the wow. substance abuse program. Yes, two full years. It's it's uh, yeah, it's annoying. And you of said course. they call you. They will call you, and you basically have four hours to pee in the cup, or it's a failed drug test. So wow. that's how it goes, right? So like uh, you could be on the way to a movie, right, with your girlfriend or whatever else, and they call you, and you're like, oh man, this was going to be a three hour movie. I, wow. Now I need to turn around and change my plans. But yeah, so you fail the drug test, you go into the program. The second failed drug test, you lose four game checks. So nobody knows yet, but you lose four game checks. Obviously, the team knows at this point. Yes. It's not made public, right. but the team knows, oh, wait, we don't have to pay Martavis Bryant four game checks. And then the third failed drug test is public knowledge, and now you lose the ability to play in those four games. Now, to get into the program, you get tested, what, once a year? Once a year, yes. And and a lot of, now, like, and a lot of these guys push the limit. I mean, that's, that's you know, we've had this conversation a lot. It's what makes these guys. They're, they're able to perform in front of crowds of 80,000 and, and have no fear because they're not afraid to push the limit in all walks of life, let alone the football field. And this could be anything from weed to more serious stuff. It could stuff. be, yes. But, you know, th- that's my issue, too, is uh, I just wish they would do away with street drug testing in the NFL. They don't do it in baseball. There's also the mindset. I'm not making excuses. Yeah, I understand. But it's also the mindset of, you know, I think a lot of these guys are like, I mean, I'm a grown man. How are they going to tell me what I'm going to do? And right. that's kind of what, what it comes down to at times. That was weird that Martavis Bryant sounded like an angry Southerner, but <laughs> that was weird. Uh, <laughs> another major story that I think kind of came out, Peyton Manning, um, with the quote, I can't feel anything in my fingertips. And this was on Sports Illustrated. Blah, 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 blah. It's crazy, he said. I've talked to a doctor recently who said, don't count on the feeling coming back. It was hard for me for about two years because one doctor told me I could wake up in my morning and it might come back. So you wake up every day thinking today is the day and then it's not. Framing the media once again by Peyton Manning. So, da, you, da, da. so you think that he does have feeling in his fingertips? No, he probably doesn't, but I don't really care, Peyton. You weren't telling me about it when you were throwing for 55 touchdowns two years ago. So why are you telling me now he's telling you now because i'm sure he's a little skeptical at how he might play this year and Mm. he's already setting it up for some excuses that's the one thing that drives me crazy about Peyton. he is mr uh media manipulator he's famous around you've talked to media people who know he makes calls after big losses or whatever it is yeah and he wants to well from what i've heard and this is obviously secondhand i've heard media people say yeah as soon as the loss happens He's calling around, explaining to people what went wrong. He's going to give his take. Hey, and, let me fill you in on what happened. And what's really what's smart about it is that when you get a call from Peyton Manning and he tells you these things, right. and you're getting the source. As a reporter, you're going, I'm getting this one right from the mouth. That's right. And But it's, it is interesting from your perspective, which is stop making excuses. Stop. Because that's what you're seeing. Yeah, I, I, and I think, too, it's also you know the old schoolness of me. You know, do you think Derek Jeter would say that? Like, you know, I, I, I just think it's one of those things in the locker room. Like, if you're going to be out there and play, I, I just I don't want to hear it. Just mm. this is this is it's time. It's put up or shut up. We don't want to hear like he's not going to want to hear that his left tackle has an ankle sprain later in the year. He's going to be like, oh, just suck it up and play. Well, Peyton, we don't really give a damn about your fingertips. Chris, I have a question for you. And I always go back to what you said about Tom Brady and protecting his empire right. through Deflategate. Right. Would you compare Peyton to Brady in that way that Peyton protects his Peyton Manning empire just way like more, Brady does? More than Tom. More than Tom. Yes. Okay. Yes. Tom I, I Tom, I feel like Tom has really become that a little bit more as of late. But Tom is not the type of guy, at least from what I know of Tom. And, of course, you guys know I know a lot of people around the league and in the media. Yeah. I've never heard of Tom, like, calling up after the Giants' Super Bowl loss and being like, hey, I just want to fill you in on what happened in the game. Where I've heard a million stories, like the day after Denver loses right. to Seattle, Peyton makes a lot of phone calls to national media to do damage control right away. Lefko, do you think that if we polled the general public on that question that they would give the same answer? Because I feel like most football fans would probably answer the opposite and say that, that uh, Brady is more protective of his well, image I mean, than, because of what's going on Just because right of what's now. going on. Yeah, but, absolutely. but Chris didn't even bat that, an eyelash. Because that's the thing is – The Peyton, insider perspective. Not only that, Peyton is apparently a lot more stealth and has been doing yes, it for a long exactly time. Right. And I don't think people realize because right. here's the th- funny thing about the media is I was – 
in this uh, I, yesterday I was in Indianapolis right. with two very young NBA players for the Pacers, Miles Turner and Raheem Christmas, and they were talking about dealing with the media. And I was joking with them and said, "Look, the, the true thing is, is when you know how to use the media, you can accomplish a lot. They right. are your mouthpiece." And Peyton is very good at lo- knowing how to use it. He, and, so it's know, a testament and, to him, but I it's think, also in your mind, it's, it's cheap. Yeah, it's cheap, and I think that's uh, yeah. I, I've always heard those stories, um, and, and yeah, I just it, it, there's no need for it. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say there. Really, well, I had another really point, quick, but go I'll, ahead. Let me dig into my twenty-five different notes here. One of them from all the preseason games you've watched right. is they're running Gary Kubiak's offense right now in right. Denver. Yes, and and explain to people what they were running under Adam Gase in Denver last year right. and what this means for Peyton. Well, I think with the Adam Gase offense, you saw certainly some Adam Gase things that he's learned over his year, but it was still more what I've seen from from the years of Peyton in Indianapolis. It was a lot of those concepts and. And if you want to talk about Peyton and that offense, I think the first thing people go, oh, wow, it must be really complicated. No, Peyton's offense, what it really is, is he never wastes a play. And, and you could watch Peyton's games. They really line up in two formations. It's either, you know, trips to the right with Demarius Thomas on the left as a single receiver, or they go two by two, tight end receiver on one side, and then a slot receiver and another receiver on the other side. And Peyton is just a master of figuring out what defense you're in through a tremendous film study because he works as hard as, they, as sure. hard as they come, and then he dials up the right play from the line of scrimmage. Uh, yeah, what I noticed in that Texans game is I saw a lot more Kubiak stuff. I didn't really see any Peyton stuff. Uh, I've heard from even uh, you know uh, some San Francisco people yeah. who are scrimmaging against the Denver Broncos right now. They got the same feeling that it's no longer Peyton stuff. It's more Kubiak. How does that go over with somebody who's pretty much had the keys to the car for – almost you know 15 16 17 years well he's not old Peyton Manning so he's he doesn't have the you know the luxury of saying hey I'm the man and I'm gonna make it happen because his physical skills are diminishing uh and I think also the Denver Broncos John Elway Gary Kubiak they're looking at it like we're trying to like build something positive here for the next few years yeah so we can't just make it all about Peyton we got to make our team better Hmm. in case he retires we we still would like to be in the playoff picture next year yeah Uh, so I think they're trying to formulate their offense and their new genre altogether. I'm excited to see someone like Peyton Manning who's so concerned about legacy and is chasing Brett Favre's record for passing yards, how he's going to handle a new offense this season. Yeah, I know. Peyton, listen, and we're critical of Peyton, but we're, we're the only people that are going to really keep it real about Peyton. That's what I, If you're out there listening on this podcast right now, ESPN, those people, they're not going to say anything bad about Peyton, and you've got to realize why. If you talk bad about Peyton, the media manipulator he is, he won't do an interview with ESPN, and they know that. So they're going to tread water as far as that's concerned. And even little things like going back to his contract with Denver. You know, he wants it to be perceived one way. Oh, I'm not asking for too much. When, in fact, I know it was yeah. the first three years was $69 million. It was three years, $69 million, which means he was making $23 million a year, and he was the highest-paid quarterback right. in football. But he doesn't want it to be perceived let's, that let's way. Let's just say this. Top three quarterback all time? Hands down, not even so close. we respect the game. I just think at this point in the career, we're yeah, like, like, give it up. Come on, man. We already know you're the man. You don't got to make any excuses anymore. And, and look, father time is undefeated. Undefeated. And there is nothing wrong with diminishing talent. No. Because guess what? You're, you're coming to an end. Right. It's okay. Right. Uh, the absolute opposite of Peyton Manning would be in Washington, D.C. And this is our final news and notes. Today's press conference, or whatever this was, Robert Griffin III was asked about problems with the team's pass protection. Although Griffin said he wouldn't point fingers at, a, at his offensive lineman, he also didn't put any blame on himself. Jason Reed of ESPN reported on Twitter, or what he said, was that after that press conference, coaches say, quote, several offensive linemen dislike Griffin. Yeah. Your thoughts? Well, I've always heard that. Uh, I think that was the... When we first heard reports, you know, a year ago, two years ago, that players in the locker room weren't in love with RG3, I had always heard it was his own offensive linemen or the the people that disliked him the most. Mm. And again, you know, it's just another opportunity. Uh, he, you know, I tell him to just shut up and stop doing press conferences altogether, but that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, just take some accountability, and especially with your offensive linemen. I would literally. And I'm not trying to get – I know I was nothing special in the NFL. My career stunk. Who cares? But I know one thing. I had very little ego in the fact where I literally could throw a perfect throw to receiver and it would hit him in the chest and he would drop it. And I'd be like, 
my bad, man. That was I threw it a little too harder. Man, I, it came out of my hand. I would make an excuse for them yeah. so they would feel better. I, I knew I could overcome it. I wanted to make sure the next play they weren't thinking and about it. And what about offensive linemen? Same with the offensive linemen. I, you know, you just, hey, you know, I could have helped them out, maybe got to this check in the protection. Or, man, there's a few times I could have got the ball out of my hand. Right. Uh, I could have got the ball out of my hand. Or, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I saw the blitz, and I could have just avoided it, stepped up in the pocket. There's a million different ways you can make an and excuse And even when for you it. know it's not on you. Right. Just make up the excuse. You, you know, old linemen, the only time you hear about them is – When they're making a mistake. Exactly right. So they don't want to hear it again. Yeah. And, and like I've always told you, old linemen, uh, they're kind of like cows anyways. You need to prod <laughs> them in the butt, and they're constantly getting prodded. Well, I saw – I mean, even when we were in Oakland, and what's his name was out there? Their left tackle. Oh, Donald Penn. Donald Penn. Right. I mean, some guy came by, and he was like – oh. Oh, man, I, I'm telling everybody, man, you're a good dude. You're not one of those, like, quarterback stuff. Right. And it, the true thing is, is there's always going to be resentment towards the quarterback position anyway. Yes. Last thing you need to do is go out there. I have a hard time. If you want to see something incredible, Brian Mitchell, former Eagle, former Redskin, all that stuff, on Comcast Sports at NDC, Josh's old digs, had a great rant about RG3. He's, He's awesome. a, Brian Mitchell's the man. He is. But he came out and he said, just shut up. I don't yeah. even want to hear from this guy anymore. You, you, you haven't even done anything. Why? If Tom Brady doesn't have to talk to the media, why are the Washington Redskins making RG3? Like, And it sounded like he well, wanted to a few times. Now, let me ask you this. This is an organization that was protecting him. Maybe they're also hanging him out the dry by doing the same things that they were protecting him by. Because the best thing to show that an employee or someone isn't that good right. is putting him front and center. Well, I still think Dan Snyder's in his corner, but maybe a you Jay, still think so. I do, but maybe a Jay Gruden or somebody like that. Yes, uh, yeah, maybe they're they're yeah, like, try yeah, go out. ahead, yeah, let them talk to the media. Sure. I my, my whole thing with RG three is he's a non factor for me until yes. I start seeing him in the regular season see what he does. Agreed. Because after last year, he was pointless. Right. Uh, one other thing, Hard Knocks has been awesome, and I came to you and you said, Mike Vrabel could be a head coach in this league soon. The next Bill Cower is what I, what I think I said to you, and I, I really do believe that. Bill, I mean, the first thing I look at is he can command a room. You see that. He's got tremendous presence just uh, watching Hard Knocks. If you haven't seen Hard Knocks, Mike Vrabel holds everybody accountable. Right. He's a lot like Billy O'Brien, really. He's yes. a Billy O'Brien. He's Belichick. He's a Bill Parcells. He comes from that tree. There's just no BS with those guys. It's, hey, you played like shit today? Yeah. Hey, Adam, you played like shit. Hey, you were a shit analyst today. He's going to let you know. There's a lot of swears there for <laughs> yeah, you, good Fendrick. Luck with that, good luck. Fendrick. But, uh, but you really think not only a head coach, but the Bill Cower style is what you're thinking? Yeah, I just think, yes, he's got a good defensive mind. Of course, he's been around people. He'll be able to organize practices, rally the troops. Mm. He can stand up there on the podium and answer questions with no nonsense. Yeah. Uh, yes, he will be a head coach in the NFL, I'm going to say, within the next five years, if as long as Urban Meyer doesn't leave Ohio State within the next three or four years because I could see him going there, too. He played there. He was coaching there just yeah. a few years back as well. I, I think it's. I think that's the other thing, the forgotten thing about Hard Knocks, is it gives really low-level players and assistant coaches an opportunity yes. to make a name for themselves. Right. Like like the cornerback right now. Uh, speaking of making a name for yourself, right. that's what a certain reporter has done covering the NFL for oh so long with such grandiose gestures. Jason Cole joining us on the podcast. <laughs> Jason, how are you, my friend? I am fantastic. What's going on, fellas? What's, what's up, Jason? How you doing, man? Uh, I am doing great. Jason, what just so you know, uh, you are able to curse. Uh, this is a free-flowing mind. I, I kind of I got that from from yeah, exactly. Oh, There's only supposed to be one curse, but you know, sometimes I lose my temper and I go, <laughs> I go straight Jersey on him. Yeah, well, Rabel will inspire that out of all. Of them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. So, Jason, you have been literally on the road for a month, going to different training camps, talking to coaches, players. Where are you right now? I am in St. Louis. Um, I'm going to go see the Rams tonight. Uh, they got a. They've got a night practice, and I'm going to check out not only the football team, but I'm going to talk to some of the executives there and try and get the lay of the land on whether they're moving or not. Yeah, because there's a lot in play for this for this organization. Then uh, the weekend's going to be spent watching some preseason games. You know, be in Kansas City on Friday, back in St. Louis on Saturday, and then how about, down in New Orleans on Sunday. How about Jason? Just real quick. I mean, have you heard anything more about Todd Gurley there in St. Louis as far as his progress and where he's at? I haven't heard a lot because I haven't been to their practice yet. I'm yeah, so, he's tonight. so great, great questions. A little great. bit more, but I think that they're expecting that he's going to be ready sooner than later. Okay. So there's you know some expectation. I think late September, October, but they are mm. going to be they're going to be careful with him 
because I think they view him as one of those. You know, every team that is a great team has four or five of those X factor players, like right. call them, the guys who force you to redraw the X's and the nose. And they're counting on him being one of those guys. Um, you have been one of the guys, Jason, that has really been up on the whole L.A. thing. We had Lee Steinberg, the uh, the former super agent, all that stuff, and he's been a proponent of getting the Rams back to L.A. forever. He was in the studio a few days ago. He actually told me that he thinks it's more likely that Oakland and San Diego go to L.A. over St. Louis at this moment. What's your read on L.A.? He also said 100%. There is a team in L.A. next He's going season. to practice tonight and talking to their executives tonight. Great question. Yeah, Adam but Jason Cole, Jason Cole. Yeah, I've been following this one for about exactly. eight years. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, I, would say, I, I would say, look, I, I wouldn't say that Lee's wrong. I would just say that there's so many things in play. Like, well, the latest thing to happen in Missouri was that the legislators in Missouri are threatening the governor that they're not going to approve any kind of spending for the Rams. So that sort of throws a monkey wrench into it. I know that there's a fairly substantial group of owners Mm. from having been to the meeting in Chicago a couple of weeks ago where they talked about relocation. And, you know, led by Jerry Jones, who say, you know, look, if you're going to go back to Los Angeles, you have to have somebody with deep pockets that can pay the cost, the override costs, all the things that it takes. And that was sort of an endorsement of Kroenke, obviously, because he's the guy with the deepest pockets. But the one thing that it did in this one is it actually cast the light on Mark Davis and made people look at Mark Davis and and say, well, we know Stan Kroenke's got a lot of money, but we're not sure we want to let him do whatever he wants to do. But Mark, do you have the money to do this? Hmm. Do you, can you really make this happen? And they, they trust the Chargers. I think the Chargers are the one team that no matter what, whether it's in Carson or whether it's in Englewood, however they, this thing shakes out, the Chargers are the one team that's going to go. Gotcha. It just depends on which one of the other two that they partner them up with, and it kind of changes week to week in terms of what you hear. I mean, I've heard every weird rumor over the last two weeks since that meeting about what's going to actually happen, and I think it's a lot of it is just you know everybody trying to leverage each other to get the best deal. They oh, can. sure. I think it's a. I think it's a fascinating conversation. I think it's going to be really depressing whenever whatever city loses their team. It's going to be tough. Whether it's the mm-hmm. San Diego Superchargers, the St. Louis Rams, who I find St. Louis fans to be very passionate, and Oakland. I mean, it's going to be weird. But when you see dollar signs and you see LA, the second largest media market, I understand it. When you see the Oakland Coliseum, you'll understand. When it. you see Qualcomm Stadium, <laughs> you're, you're right. Uh, exactly. People, people should really experience how bad. Qualcomm and yeah, Europe I drove by right. Qualcomm when I did that house hunting thing with Corey Legion, and I thought it was actually a parking garage. <laughs> and he went, "No, that's where we play." And he Jason did, actually he, loved your Legion video. I'm dude, glad you brought the, that the up. The scariest thing about Qualcomm is the cracks in the support girders. What? Like right. there are these giant cracks in the in the concrete, and every time I walk up to the press box there, I go. I really hope that this place is standing when I leave. Um, so you've you've checked out all these teams. In terms of most impressive players that you've seen in person, who stood out to you, Jason? The most impressive player, I. Well, I you yeah. know, okay, go a ahead. guy I didn't ex- the guy I didn't expect, and the problem is that you know nobody hits anymore, so you don't get to see that. And I haven't seen Houston, so I haven't seen JJ, and Kansas City was only practicing lightly, so you know watching Justin Houston, you didn't really get a look. But in watching Baltimore and Philadelphia in joint practices, and I know this is going to make you really ha- happy, Left Cow, but mm. um, Sam Bradford looked really good. Oh, yes, sir. No. Yeah, he was really accurate. He was quick with the ball. He was quick with decisions. The one thing I worry about him is, is he going to be a little leery about the knee getting hit right. if, uh, if people start – you know, going for his legs or, you know, bodies start falling around. And you never know how he's going to react. I think he reacted pretty well, all things considered, when Suggs hit him. But, you know, there's some residual things on how guarded he's going to be with the knee. But in terms of decision-making, like, Chip Kelly's offense is built for him. Yes, it is. And and I think he's going to be – I would say he's – you know, a lock to be the comeback player of the year right now. If I if I'm looking at for one guy, yeah, I, I'm, I love to hear that because I thought he was very impressive in his first snaps last week. Uh, what are you looking at there, kid? I'm, I'm 
You know, I'm having a, a big realization moment. Right. And I'm going to talk about it when Jason is off the phone. Okay. But I feel okay sharing it with, with you guys. Right. So I'm, I'm excited and I'm nervous. Right. Uh, Jason, your Super Bowl pick. Who do you, what are the two teams that you have going to the big dance? You know, I make these picks early, and then I usually stick with them despite injuries and all those things. But I don't like Indian Green Bay. Um, offensive showdown. Offensive showdown. Cal versus Stanford. I could <laughs> love it more, you know, any more than that. Rodgers against Luck. I just think that there's no team out there that's going to be so overwhelming on defense. Not like – I think Seattle's going to take a step backwards here. Uh, either between injuries or normal attrition that they've had. Agreed. I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be mentally as sharp as they were the last two years because they sort of proved it to the rest of the world how great they are, and it's hard to maintain that over three years. So I think they're going to take a little bit of a step backwards. That's going to allow Green Bay, even with the injury to Jordy Nelson, to step up there and, and take advantage of what they should have had a year ago in that in that championship game. Jason, I want to ask you, you know, I know you said you were at the Jets, too. I mean, what was the feel of the Jets camp? I mean, just as far as how the, the new regime's running things, of course, the quarterback situation, uh, all those things. I mean, did you get any feel for, for that team and kind of what's going on behind the scenes? I just got a feeling of, and don't normally say this about the Jets, but calm. Like, yeah, that's Todd Bowles. No, yeah, Todd Bowles is calm. Mike McCagnan. They're too calm, uh, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe, maybe too calm. I mean, they, the offensive coordinator's name in the starting quarterback. There's a lot of like little things I've looked there's at a, today. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of little things, but it just didn't seem as nutty and frenetic as the previous five years. Right. Where, and they needed some of that. I think they need some stability finally. And I'm not saying everything's perfect. I, I'm not trying to portray that, but all of a sudden. It's like people who are, instead of every time something happens, there's like this panic move. Like, oh, we traded for Tim Tebow. Let's panic and give Mark Sanchez a contract extension to make him feel good about himself. Right. Like, like it's like, okay, something bad happens. Okay, what are we going to do about it? Right. Okay. And, and that doesn't mean they always come up with the perfect answer. But it's not chaos all the time. And there's still some chaotic things. I mean, and I'm Polly knocking out. You know, Geno Smith is is you know is a chaotic kind of thing, right. and what Sheldon Richardson's gone through is a panic thing. But you don't see the panic response afterwards, which makes it look like they don't they're rudderless. Right. I mean, that's that's the one thing I'll say about the Jets, and I, and I think that they're right there because I think their defensive talent is is incredibly strong. But, you know, the quarterback situation is, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's solid yeah. backup. He's the kind of guy you want exactly. to play four games. Right, he's not, a solid not, backup. Not 16. Not right. 16. Cole, thank you so much, brother. Follow Jason on Twitter, at JasonColeBR. He's got the inside scoop. Honestly, I, I had to get him off because I can't handle it any longer. i got to tell you what my breaking news is. I've been thinking about <laughs> CJ, it. CJ, Cole. He, he, Later. Yeah, I, you, I, honestly, man, I've been thinking about it since Saturday. Um there's this amazing thing in our country that when we make predictions and we want to uh, say something, it's got to be out there that we have to. And Jason said it: when you make one, you have to stick with it. Well, guess what? What? The season hasn't started yet. I can change my predictions. Oh. Your Super Bowl is going to be the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to. I want you to understand this right now. This is not me. This is not me succumbing to the pressure of anything. Do you know what this is? I went to that Eagles-Ravens game, and what I watched was an utter beatdown. I've already tuned you out. I don't even know what you're saying. You watch your mouth. You pick the Cowboys. Shut up. Too late. Hold on. Can I change my picks too? Let me wait the first three weeks of the year and reevaluate. It's the preseason. This doesn't even matter. This doesn't even matter. I know, but we work work for a tech company called Bleacher Report. You're telling me that it's a regular season prediction. I can't even change my pick before the regular season starts? Look, you don't even know how to write down letters right now. (laughs) Come on. Why don't you focus? Focus on me right now. God, this is a mess. Yes.
I, I don't have anything to say. You made your picks. Now you're feeling bad because your dad no, because, made you feel bad. Not at all. And you saw the Eagles in person. You're like, oh, I mean, all the things. Oh, maybe Chip Kelly does know what he's doing. Yeah, no crap. He knows what he's doing. Too late. You already buckled under the pressure. You made a lot of thought. We sat there at dinner and asked you for your Super Bowl picks, and you waited till like, the main course got there to finally he took give a ha- We asked him before the appetizers, hour. and he didn't give right. us an answer right. until the main, yeah, main right. dishes. So right. I just this don't want to hear this yeah. is bullshit. The season hasn't started what is bullshit yet. about this? You shouldn't have picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. That's you not our fault. You can guarantee on the next Eagles video, I'm going to tell everybody. Guarantee. They already know. The amount of Eagles fans that are coming. Quincy, we have a, an NBA producer here, right? right? Quincy, he's an Eagles fan. Comes up to me in the kitchen and he goes, is it true? And I go, what? He goes, you picked the f- Cowboys to win the Super Bowl? And his, it looked like his heart You've was hurting. sworn like 15 times already. Yeah, because I'm really upset that like – this, to me, is such an arbitrary well, thing. Well, I wasn't allowed to change, so you're not allowed to change now. Yeah, but either. you are sticking with yours. Do you want to change yours? What are you, Packers, Ravens? Do you want to change? I'll, look, I'll give you one if you let me get one. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I don't even want Seems one because I'd rather you suffer. I'd rather you see you suffer. ridiculous. Sorry. Can't so, do it. But, but in, in, in realistic things, because I, I think that's my thing with the prediction, is I hate when people on TV, whether it's ESPN or NFL Network or even us, when people do this, when people go, you know what, I picked them before the year, I'm sticking with it. Right. No. Have a mind, be able to adapt, realize sure. that that team's not the best right now, right. and who cares what you predicted before the season? Right. This has nothing to do, and I mean nothing, with people's reaction. I did say this in the dinner, ooh, I could see the Eagles going. I did say that, but what I, I saw out of Chip that. Kenny, and this is going to be my transition to breaking down preseason. Oh, here we go, transition. No, the true thing is, is this, is that Chip Kelly and this Eagles team could make it, and from what I saw out of Sam Bradford, I went, Whoa, this guy's going to be good. Now, because Fendrick yelled at me because I gave too many of my opinions in the last podcast, right. we will now go through yell. rapid no, fire. No, no, no. We can, preset, no, no. Make, your point. make your point. Get off your Make your point. Sam Bradford, Eagles, Ravens, we're going to go rapid fire from about 12 different preseason games that you saw. Let's do it. What was your big takeaway on Sam Bradford? Bradford, I mean, he wasn't completely comfortable yet as far as like in the pocket. He missed a few throws because I thought his feet were kind of uh, array as yes. far as just not being Erratic. settled. Erratic. a better word. Thank you. But uh, listen, you watch Sam Bradford. It's the first thing I told you. The ball pops out of his hand. Yes. It really does. He's a special thrower of the football. I think you're going to only see an improve. And yeah, the Eagles are legit. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar, uh, I, I think, is the most impre- second most impressive rookie receiver uh, we're seeing at this point, other than Amari Cooper. Uh, so that, but he is a uh, stud. You're missing the big name. Uh, I'm missing the big name. Yeah. What person? Uh, yeah. Good. Nice try. He's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Nelson Aguilar has really looked the part, and he was a guy. I'm going to say uh, I wasn't quite sure how he would translate right away to the NFL. Yeah. But, but you're convinced. I'm convinced, man. The physical skills are m- more apparent than I thought they would be. All right. I'm doing rapid fire. So this is what me and Sims do. When I have a question about a guy, I say his name, and then Sims gives the feedback. I already know the guys. Right. Let's do quarterbacks, young quarterbacks. Sure. The one name that surprised me that you were. Ryan Tannehill. Yes, Ryan Tannehill. I think the first two preseason games has maybe been uh, the most impressive starting quarterback in football. That's how in far. In football. Yeah, he was impressive. Now, Aaron Rodgers hasn't played a ton, I understand right. that. But from what I saw with Tannehill, uh, the, the first week, I guess, the Chicago Bears. Mm. And then who did they play last week? I'm forgetting who they played. Um, uh, I'm looking here. They play the Falcons in their third game. Yep. Uh, oh, Carolina. They play Carolina. But, yes, he was phenomenal against Carolina as well. And I'm just talking about quick, decisive decisions, some big-time throws into tight coverages. Yeah. And the one thing I always worried about him, and you've heard me say it, I think he's an athlete who's playing a quarterback. He's completely now a quarterback who is an athlete. And uh, I did question whether he could make some of the big-time throws like the elite quarterbacks. He yes. has totally answered that question, and he is on the rise big I time. don't think it's a surprise that both Sam Bradford and Tannehill look good as they are running a similar system which I think is really good to help out the quarterback. Sure. Uh, young quarterbacks, Tennessee versus St. Louis. Thoughts on Mariota? Oh, Mariota, I thought a uh, huge improvement from week one to week two. That first Atlanta game was a little shaky. I think we all saw that. But uh, the other night against the St. Louis Rams, wow, was I impressed. Uh, just play action passes, the way he threw the ball. Uh, he made a few nice throws on the run. And I really thought the most impressive play he had the whole game was the a drop. The drop by Dexter McCluster when Mariota felt the pressure on the right 
right, and slid he slid out left, out, kept his and he feet. stayed yep. there. He didn't run and leave the pocket, which so many young quarterbacks do. That was like, oh wow, this kid is really learning fast. Yep. Uh, and I've heard from some coaches too, like he's not the most impressive thrower in warmups. Right. Uh, I've heard that from some Rams and some Falcons coaches. Uh, but hey, he's one of those guys when the lights turn on, yeah. the ball seems to be a perfect spiral every time, and he throws the ball. I was a little like that as a thrower, honestly, because I, I would think about technique and things like that when I was warming up, and I the ball wouldn't always come. But out then of my when hand. you got guys running after and you. And then I'm not thinking anymore. The only thing right. more impressive than Mariota was Mettenberger's touchdown because oh, the kid's got a cannon. He does All have right, a cannon. Moving on. They Tam- can't trade him, but ne- after the season, he's going to be big-time trade bait. Tampa Bay versus Cincinnati, Jameis Winston oh, breakdown. Oh, very impressed as well. Again, Jameis Winston's just natural feel within the pocket like we just talked about with Mariota. Uh, and then his ability to pull the trigger with down-the-field throws, I think that even jumps out to you. Mm. He is phenomenal, those 15- to 25-yard throws, throwing them in the tight windows, whether he has to do it with power or anticipation. And, you know, even though it's not pretty, athletically he's great in the pocket and he throws the ball well on the run as well. The most impressive thing I thought, and I heard Gruden say it, and I like listening to John Gruden on the telecast, uh, so much more at the line of scrimmage from week one to week two as far as generalship changing plays, the checks, all those things. That's what really jumped out to me. So that tells me that they're starting to feel more and more comfortable with his mental capacity as far as the offense. Uh, one guy that I think we've been hard on for a very long time. Gerald Jeff- McCoy was awesome in that Hold game. Hold on, we're not done quarterbacks okay. yet. I'm the quarterback right now, right? Yeah. I'm the captain now. Jacksonville versus the Giants. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles has looked very we- good so far. I, I mean, I tell anyone that I know that Blake Bortles is a bum. So you're telling me that he's we'll, turning we'll the see. corner. I, I mean, he, to this point, he is showing me that. Now, I still see some old Blake Bortles come out as far as the What's throwing the motion. What's the new Blake Bortles? Well, the new Blake Bortles is not nearly the long motion. If you can think of, remember old Byron Leftwich's low yes. motion, the arm almost falls down to his ankles. Yes. Uh, that was Blake Bortles' problem. Now it's a lot more compact. It's in a round motion instead of being such does an over-the-top. Does it look natural, top. or does it look like he's okay I, with I, it? I think it looks semi-natural. I don't think it's totally ingrained mm. in him, but he is a big, strong man. That's one thing you cannot take away from him. And uh, if he can just continue to stay, on the mechanics, he's mechanics got weapons. Throwing. He does have some weapons. Uh, I do like what I see, and, and vice versa. Yeah, uh, tell me about Eli Manning. Yeah, Eli, uh, Eli. That game to me should answer the Giants' questions. Hey, you got to re-sign Eli Manning. We know that, but I mean to say Eli Manning should be paid the same as Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger. No. What did uh, you see in a preseason game against the Jaguars? That's I saw a you- lot of fluttering balls. I saw a lot of really slam dunk completions that. An Aaron Rodgers, a Ben Roethlisberger, or Andrew Luck would have knocked down uh, without a doubt. And they're like 50-50 with Eli Manning. A little bit of the down-the-field throws, didn't think they were great. There was a few chances to drive some balls into some holes or throw yes. a back shoulder to Odell Beckham Jr. That wasn't done. Uh, yeah, Eli, listen, still really good. Uh, certainly capable of taking him to the Super Bowl, but, but not an elite quarterback in this league. One more quarterback news and notes here. Um, Atlanta, New York Jets. Uh, obviously, Matt Ryan's good, but you're, you're looking at the Jets' offense right now and quarterbacks and going, disaster. What the, what the hell is going on out disaster. here? Disaster. They need Geno Smith back. Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, this is the one so, thing. Yeah, Colin, everyone's here going, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be fine. What's the first thing everyone says about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Went to Harvard. Oh, he's so smart. He went to Harvard. If that's what they're saying about you, that means they can't find any physical traits that are good about you. Uh, and for a smart guy, he's been about as careless with the football over his career. He's like Jake Cutler. He's really careless with the football. Last year, Bill, o- Bill, uh, I'm sorry, Bill O'Brien is reeled him in a little bit, uh, so he did not turn over the ball nearly as much or throw some some troubling decisions as far as the, the passing game's concerned. But uh, that offense, for as talented as it is, uh, they looked like they were playing the Steel Curtain of 1978. <laughs> I mean, the Atlanta Falcons, they couldn't move the ball the first five series. The Atlanta Falcons take out the first-team defense, and then the Jets have a nice little drive. So that is really troubling to me. And Fitzpat- yeah, the, Matt Ryan, clearly, you know, he's one of the six, seven best quarterbacks in football. He looked great. The second most talented quarterback on the field that night was Bryce Petty. Hmm. Uh, Bryce Petty was very impressive, uh, still raw, but there was a few throws in that game where I said, huh, there, there's Bryce Petty. There's some physical traits about him that lead me to believe that he can be a starting quarterback one day. Ryan Fitzpatrick in his career, 123 touchdowns, 101 interceptions. There you go. He's not this incredible. He's you know, so smart. I don't really care. You know, great. He's smart. He went to Harvard. He ain't that smart when he has to make a decision from the pocket. We have a lot more news and notes that we're going to get to afterwards in terms of the issues that could be facing Seattle's offense this year. What is going on right now with this Denver offense and a few other young rookies that you think. And one Super Bowl favorite, 
that you're saying is not a Super Bowl team. We're going to get to that in a second. Cool. But for right now, we got to take it to a place we haven't been in a long time. Oh, baby. Too long, right? On the down low with Steven Nelson. When's oh. the last time you saw your girlfriend? <laughs> mm. Recently. Kendrick, turning the music down so we can make the edit smoother. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. It's going to be back. I missed you guys. Missed you too. Got a yeah. lot to get to, so I think let's just turn that music up a little bit. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> some sad news to start off, unfortunately. Uh, Daryl Dawkins. A yeah, legend Lefko, of Lefko Adam Lefko's I am Philadelphia hurt. Sixers, 76ers. Chocolate Thunder, as he's called, hailing from Planet Lovetron. He was Seriously. just here to slam dunk the funk and spread funkiness all over the world. Died at the age of 58. Right. He, of course, was known for giving nicknames to his dunks, but my question for you in honor of Chocolate Thunder, give yourselves a nickname combining candy with an element of meteorology. Come on. You, well, oh, meteorology. You threw me a... I'm white lightning, baby. <laughs> white lightning. <laughs> Oh jeez, man! That's not, but that's not a candy. Candy, there's no. Th- oh, you're right. Because I was going to say white chocolate, yeah. then you hit me with the meteorology. Holy cow! Hold on, let me rethink that. Meteorology. So, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, I need, I need a candy. Candy. And so, because he has chocolate thunder, right? Seeing as how I don't know how to answer, I'm going to say Reese's Cup Blizzard because that's a, an actual food. Uh, while you think, I want to tell you that. Daryl Dawkins was one of the guys that when I grew up becoming a sports fan, my dad would talk about Chocolate Thunder all the time, and I would look up clips on him all the time. And I think I the personality that he had, the way he commanded the, 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 the thing. Also realize that he was on a team with Dr. J and Young Barkley and all those teams, and he was the character. I love, 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 love Daryl Dawkins, R.I.P., Gonna be missed. Have you thought of something yet? No, I haven't. Okay. What was yours first? I, I, I can't. I don't know. Yeah. Chocolate and meter. Did you have one? Twix tornado. <laughs> I was trying to think of something with a fireball because I love fireballs. Uh, Do you? I, I lo- fireballs are my favorite candy. Yes, I have a huge jug of you, those in my I house. Mean, you could be a, a fireball uh, tidal wave. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's, fireball that's, thunder. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I could see this guy being on TV. My name is Heath Blizzard. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Couldn't you see that? That's and now that, let's go to our meteorologist, just, Heath Blizzard. Heath, from, from it's called rain. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Heath. A couple of former local news personalities. That's exactly what we think of. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Heath you. Blizzard. Yes. All right. Simpsons brain. Hot Can't fireball. Right hot fireball. That's where it goes. Fendrick, you got a fireball? Fendrick, <laughs> Red hot fireball. All right. <laughs> Bud Foster is the name. He is a defensive coordinator. Virginia Tech, right? Virginia Tech. Yes, I like him. He's in the news recently because he said the football program is going to consider fining players from their new cost of attendance stipends for disciplinary purposes. For example, by the way, the AD has since shot that idea down. Yeah, good luck getting recruits there. there. The fines include, there's a picture of this floating on the internet. Right. Missed classes will cost you anywhere from $30 to $90. But they're not paid. Fifty dollars for a dirty dorm room or a dirty locker room. Get the Are f- you out of here! Me? <laughs> and ten dollars per hour per missed class time. If you two were to institute fines for each other, oh, based on great question, pet peeves, what would they be? Well, first, I want to talk about the Bud Foster thing. I think we are in a, a very big discussion point in our society about the pay-the-player movement, and you can't be fining players who are not being paid while I know there are stipends. Right. Those are ridiculous. I agree that there should be stiffer discipline right. for college athletes because I think that's that's the biggest issue with the public versus the athlete. The public thinks the athlete gets away with everything and doesn't actually get in trouble right. because we see all these athletes that gets brushed under the rug. Right. That's not the right way to do it. And people who support this, they say, well, if they go to the NFL, they're going to be fined as professionals. Yeah, but that's but like all one per- all, all percent. Yeah, there's like one exactly. percent of guys go, and yeah, you can't you can't find someone based on future earnings. Right. That's not a real thing. In terms of what I would find, Sims. Um, 
I would definitely find him from eating because he can be a very gross eater over here. A specific- gross eater. You are sitting there with a with a tub, like a bathtub full of beans and rice with a serving spoon. Right. Are we talking about the way in which I eat or what I eat? Because uh, I've been work. I had tofu for lunch. <laughs> that's impressive. It was uh, disgusting. Well, I ate it. it could be both. Um, uh, that Watch you know, your you're pretty good. Your timeliness is certainly improved. I was going to say something about your timeliness, but you've gotten better. Yeah, I don't know. I, it was, it, look, when you, was I bad? I'm going to be honest. I think this question should have just been directed at me the entire time. All right, Josh Fendrick, yeah, what do you, you got? Can give the best answers. God, what would I find the two of you for? Right, Jesus, yeah. where do I even begin? I would need uh, that. Josh Fendrick would find me for leaning into your shots on purpose. <laughs> right. Yeah. Forcing, forcing them, or to how about slowing down the shoot times all the yeah, time because he's yeah. around the office bullshitting with everybody. It would be, it would be. The I should get fined for bullshitting. Yeah, Bull, yeah, too much bullshit. <laughs> well, be. I'm a kind of person that feels obligated to talk to everybody, so then I, you know, I would probably get fined for anything to deal with HR. Yes, but, uh, yeah, and HR violations, <laughs> you would, you would owe a lot broke. of money. Right, you'd be broke. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are all fair and balanced fines. I, yeah. I do. There was something else I was going to say, but I forgot. So let's go. All right, moving on. I like that one, though. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, I can't believe he said that. Holy cow. What's he, a defensive coordinator making over a million dollars, probably? He's probably making close to a million dollars. He's been there forever. Yeah, somebody, he's an awesome coach. Somebody who's making more than a million dollars in college football as a head coach. Is this a new watch? No. That's it nice. Is. Thank you. I'm going to find you that one. That's what you need to find him for, too. He's taking us off task all the time. There you go. Steve Sarkeesian, Ugh, head God. coach of the USC Trojans. He's found himself in some hot water. We don't know if it's the Russell Wilson brand of water. <laughs> but Sark appeared at a booster event full of donors and fans. Clearly inebriated. Also families of families recruits. recruits. Clearly inebriated, slurring his speech and dropping expletives on the stage. Now, he had to be yanked off the stage by athletic director Pat Hayden. He essentially apologized and blamed it on mixing medication with alcohol. Yeah. Give me your best drunken public story. Man, I got a lot that go back to my Texas days. What is your clarification? What about when you guys fought the... uh Fought that crew at the club. Yeah, or yeah, there was there is the fight at the club. Wait, what, yeah. wait, what do you mean by best? So Lefko says best because I didn't want to say you can go most embarrassing. You can say most memorable, the funniest. Mm. You know, uh, I also made that decision when one of the um, the fraternities at school. I found out that what so I found out this kid had left me all these bad messages after we lost to Colorado in the Big Twelve championship game, mm. and the game's over, and of course. I'm like literally crying. Couldn't feel worse because uh, I felt like I basically lost the game, our chance to play in the national championship game. And my phone is blowing up. And all of a sudden I look at my phone. I have like 38 phone messages. Uh, and some guy in a fraternity had got my number somehow. And he, him and his friends decided to call me and heckle me, right? So uh, a few weeks go by. Uh, some of the girls that know this guy, they come up to me and say, hey, we know who left all those messages. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I proceeded to get his phone number. I left him a message like, I'm going to hunt you down and beat your ass. Uh, basically like that. Yeah, take that off the uh, podcast. But then um, – so I said, yeah, you know, I left him like I'm, I'm your girl. I left a real like your girls told me who you are. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to find you. Yeah, I'm going to find you. So then like maybe a week or two went by and we were down at 6th Street. And I'm of the drinking age at this time. I'm already 21. And, um, you know, I've had a few drinks and I'm in, in the bar with a bunch of the guys on the team. And I have this great idea. Let's rally the troops. Because I heard this fraternity's having a party, and let's go there and ruin it. Oh, my and gosh. So I bring, this is like, like the beginning of, like, Revenge of the Nerds 3. I bring, like, 10 football players there, right? Yes. And Did I, you have to pitch them? Uh, you're like, hey, guys, here's what happened. Uh, well, they already knew. My whole team knew already, yeah. so they were all in on it anyways. Because, uh, you know, I, of course, they were my friends, and they knew that was pretty messed up. Uh, so... So we go to this frat house. You're marching down the street. Where we, 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 yeah, we, we get a cab. We go there. Uh, there's like four cabs, actually. <laughs> and we get out, and I just bust into the party. Like I, they're like, $5. So I'm like, yeah, okay. And I just walk right in. And we all walk in. And, like, literally, there's live music playing. And literally, it, like, came to a halt. Like, screech. Like, they were like, because they knew right That's away great. I was there to find this kid. Mm. Could never found the kid. They all told me he was hiding somewhere in the house. 
he literally went to hide. Uh, big house, too. It's it was. It was. It was a big frat house. And, uh, you know, I didn't do anything crazy. Uh, you know, a few of the guys were like, oh, Chris, we're sorry, man. And I, you know, of course, had some four-letter yeah. words for him. It's like, you know, that's messed up. And they're like, yeah, we know, we know. And then as we started to leave, one of the frat kids – well, they, of course, they called the cops. But one of the frat kids threw uh, uh, a beer can uh, – at one of our deep defensive backs. Uh, I'm not going to leave his name out. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Nothing bad happened, but my friend went off. The cops showed up. Uh, you know, they wanted to know what happened, whatever else, whatever. We were like, we didn't do anything. We just came to the party, whatever else. And yeah. that was it. See, I, the problem with the question you asked is the first eight stories I thought of, I went, God, my mom's probably going to listen to this podcast. And I do not <laughs> want her to know that story. Let me tell you something. I went uh, karaoke with Fendrick the other night. And it was amazing. I'm sure. Because what happens when Fendrick starts to drink a little bit, he becomes the MC of the entire karaoke bar. To the point where, like, mm. this guy was singing and Fendrick is going, all right, that was Josh from Oklahoma. Josh, thanks so much. And people are handing him back the microphone. I love it. Like, hey, man, here's this. Mother Hen took over. I have, a, I have a video of these two doing a song together. And yeah. I, I wish I could share it with the world because it is such a beautiful piece you can of share it with the world. what was the song it was shaggy it wasn't me a oh, selection yeah. of that was fendrick fendrick did shaggy oh, it wasn't me my and, gosh. You and, you, <laughs> and you always what do you always play you like the ashanti <laughs> ja rule song no, i like all for you by sister hazel that's oh. one but i'm also a big fan of what's love by fat joe and ashanti <laughs> oh my gosh and ja rule and yeah because where's john ja? <laughs> ja. what would be your karaoke song oh i don't know what i would do i'd probably go with like something michael jackson-ish like beat it something like that what would really be funny is i already know how you would do karaoke the song would start and you'd grab the microphone and you'd go yeah i'm gonna fucking sing michael jackson yeah <laughs> and then it'd start and then like the words would be going fast and you would start being like man no this is stupid all of you are stupid i feel like you would get really overwhelmed I don't think so. No? No. Then I challenge you to a night of karaoke. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I, we should do karaoke on the podcast. No. Send out that video. Tweet it. All right. Or, uh, le- vine, <laughs> vine it. Twig right. it. We're going to do now uh, more rapid fire of, of what you saw in the preseason. Because you've been watching all these games. Yes. Uh, one thing a note. Jimmy Graham, you think, is going to be really frustrated. Seattle, Kansas City, what did you see? Yeah, well, I, you know, I didn't really watch a whole lot of Kansas City's offense, but I did want to check out uh, Seattle's offense. Uh, first of all, I think you go right back to what we've talked about all along with Seattle. Offensive line play, horrible. I mean, it was same old uh, as far as the passing game goes. That's bad for Marshawn, It's man. very bad for Marshawn. I know he's not playing, but there ain't going to be nowhere to run for Marshawn right now. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't pony up the money to get Evans, Evan Mathis there. Now on uh, Denver. Yes, now on Denver. But that was an issue. The passing game, of course, always struggles unless Russell Wilson makes magic, and it did not look good in the game. And, yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before Jimmy Graham gets frustrated up there because he's coming from the brightest offensive coordinator, brightest offensive mind in football maybe, and Sean Payton, who does everything and did everything schematically to get Jimmy Graham the ball and yes. create matchups. And now he's going to a guy that, of course, I think is uh, the total opposite of that, the least creative schematic offensive coordinator in football. I think that's going to be an issue. Keep your eye on Seattle and Jimmy Graham, a situation to watch. You talk about where he left. You left New Orleans, New England, thinking, I like this New Orleans offense a lot, which lost Jimmy Graham. And I know that my man over here, Oregon Oregon State, what's their mascot? Brandon, the oh, Beaver. Beaver. Brandon Cooks, balling out. Baller. Brandon Cooks is a baller. He's going to have a huge year. I mean, he was my pick for Rookie of the Year last year. He got hurt. He, he was the, leading the league, yes, the rookies in reception. He would, I don't know if he would have do, done it with Odell Beckham Jr. having this right, year regardless, right, right, right. but still. He looked phenomenal. Uh, I like New Orleans. Everything I saw about New Orleans, uh, I have no. I'm not worried about their offense because of Breeze and Sean Payton, like we just talked about, and they got some good runners too. Uh, but the other thing that I think impressed me about New Orleans, I like their defense. Rob Ryan not running the same defense down there. That was the biggest takeaway I took from the game. He is running Seattle's defense, and they're using uh, Haoli Kikaha a lot, like uh, Seattle used Bruce Irvin. Mm. Uh, but I, I mean, I did like what I saw to their defense, just as far as schematic go, uh, and I really like Kakaha, and their defensive line with Big Jenkins there as a nose yes. tackle might help them out in the run game, and then vice versa, just to hit on that game, New England. 
uh, starting three rookies at center and the two guards. Man, Bill Belichick doesn't do that every day. Uh, Who where, are they replacing? Uh, well, you know, there's Wendell who's still there. Yes. Uh, and then the guard positions were kind of upper grads. Yeah, yeah, he comes in a little bit as far as a third tight end or a blocking tight and end. You were, I asked, well, maybe he's just trying it out. And you said Bill Belichick doesn't try out rookies. He wouldn't try, especially with the first team and Tom Brady. So uh, I always blank on the center's name. He's a draft pick from Georgia. They, they had Stork, but they had – so they got Shaq, Mace, Shaq Mason, Trey Jackson at guard. Yes, David Andrews, you were right, exactly right. David Andrews starting at center. So uh, that's a job, very Andrew. impressive to me, along with New England's front seven and Jabal Sheard, Malcolm Brown. And the interesting thing about New England, watch out for this if you're watching the Pats um, – Passing situations, they took Devin McCourty out of the safety position, made him a third corner. It was Devin McCourty, Terrell Brown, Malcolm Butler, and then Deron Harmon and Patrick Chung at safety when they got nickel defense. That might be their best way to get the best five on the field in the secondary. All right, let me run through a few things that you told me just to get the news and notes out there. And you can chime in really quickly. Right. Dallas, San Francisco, Darren McFadden is done. Yeah. And Jaquiski Tart for San Francisco Ooh. has to get on the field more because he looks He's going to start. There's no way. There, one of those safeties is going to get traded at the end of the preseason. I think I think Eric Reed will be trade bait. That's just what I'm going to throw wow. out there right now because Bethay is still playing really well, and they have Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski Tart. Ward and Jaquiski Tart might be their two best safeties. Tampa Bay versus Cincinnati. You came away really liking Tampa Bay's linebackers, including Quan. Alexander rookie at LSU and you believe that Geno Atkins is back in a big way baby Geno Atkins was unblockable in that game and if you saw Jameis Winston he was getting hit it was because of Geno Atkins was hitting him every time Geno Atkins ate Logan Mankins lunch uh, and then some uh, all day long Uh, Pittsburgh versus Green Bay, mainly on the Pittsburgh side of the ball. James Harrison is their best pass rusher, according to you. And they're no longer running that Dick LeBeau defense, and that could be a positive. It could be a positive. Mike Tomlin, I think they're running more of the Tampa scheme that I, of course, grew up in there with Monty Kiffin. It looks like Mike Tomlin, they're going to go a little bit more 4-3 this year. It's not going to be the 3-4 hybrid type scheme. Uh, Dupree looks solid, nothing jumping out. Jarvis Jones, solid. Uh, But yes, uh, it is interesting to see them change the scheme after years and years. Washington's defense Defensive line, you Ooh. came away going, these guys are enormous. They're running Steven Paella, who was a defensive tackle for the Bears, out there at end. Yes. And uh, they're packing it in with pot roast in the middle. With t- Yes, and Jason Hatcher. Those yes. are the two D tackles. And then they're, and they got Preston Smith and Trent Murphy kind of playing the defensive end outside linebacker role. Washington's trying to play that Baltimore-type defense. Uh, so that's really what they're doing. But, man, yes, if I'm in that division, uh, Paella, first of all, obviously is, he looked more athletic than I ever gave him credit for. He looks like he lost a few pounds. Obviously, he was out of position playing shade nose tackle in, mm. in Chicago the last years. No wonder they couldn't stop the run. But yeah, if I'm the Washington Redskins, very smart new. Beef up that defense line. you got to play the Cowboys and the Eagles twice a year, which both teams have great offensive lines and can run the ball. Chicago versus Indy. You came away going Chicago's front seven could be really interesting. Shane McClellan getting time at middle linebacker in your film study. Yes. Pernell McPhee a stud. Adrian Amos could be starting at safety. Right. All very positive for Chicago, yes. but you said this. I said this. Indianapolis, listen, uh, Chicago is positive because we don't expect a lot out of them. I think they're going to surprise some people, but yes, I come away... Uh, I do not think Indianapolis Colts are a Super Bowl team. I really don't. I think it's the same old Indianapolis Colts. I got questions about the offensive line. I got questions about the defensive line. Uh, and I think that's where it starts. You look at the teams that have participated in the Super Bowls the past few years. They at least have one of those that's dominant, if not both. Uh, I would think New England might be that one team that kind of has de- debunked that myth as far as their offensive line has been really good. But they haven't had a dominant defensive line last year where I said, oh, wow, they're s- certainly special. But nonetheless, yeah, I just think it's at the end of the day, I, I don't know if I. It's just too much on Andrew Luck again. I, I don't know if he can co- consistently just pull it off and bring it in the Super Bowl. If he can, yeah. then he's the man. Right now, people are saying, "Look, of the six, seven teams that can make it to the Super Bowl, they're saying Indy's there." You're Houston saying, Texans I don't see are going to give them a big run for their money in that division. My last little nugget that I'm going to drop is that I think the NFL is seeing a, an athlete that I think is going to take it by storm this season. You're going to see him in highlights all over the place. Jared Haynes from San Francisco, the former rugby player that's been getting time with the 49ers. If you haven't seen his punt return skills, catching the ball over his shoulder, making people miss. we This offseason with Deron Carter, Jared Haynes, a lot of 
players from different avenues. We saw this last year, rugby players and stuff. This is going to be the one that people are going to take note of because I mentioned his name and you said, oh, the kid's ridiculous. Uh, he, we made a video about him on Monday or Tuesday. But, yes, he's a natural runner of the football. I mean, he's got enough speed to break, rip off 20, 25-yard yes. runs. And the one thing, he's powerful, the kid. He really is powerful. He stays square to the line of scrimmage. I think that's what you and I were talking about. When your shoulders are square to the line of cr- scrimmage, it gives you a chance not only to run through arm tackles and things like that, but then it allows you to cut either way if you could stay square like it. That's like something like Darren McFadden can't do yes. because he's always leaning and he's so narrow on the bottom part of his yeah. body. It's hard for him to get through the hole and then make a linebacker miss. He just needs a hole that he can sprint through. This kid, yeah, this kid's he's going to be on that roster, uh, which will be interesting because they got him, of course, Carlos Hyde, Reggie Bush, I know has opened up a lot of eyes out there in San really? Francisco. Yeah, they're, they're not going to play him, I don't think, the whole preseason, but he's been tearing it up, which leads me to believe that maybe a Kendall Hunter uh, with San Francisco, he might end up being trade bait when it's all said. And, and let's just say this. Dallas is looking for running backs, and there's a lot that are going to get cut. Yes, We're going to see is. what they do. Right. All right, Sims and Lefko podcast in two weeks. We are going to be officially on video. Josh is so excited figuring this entire thing out. Sims, it is great to have Nelson back for on the down low. It made me feel good to talk about things like that. Thanks to Jason Cole for joining us. For Chris Sims. Yo, yo, see you later. For Fendrick. Good night, everyone. For Nelson. Goodbye. I am Adam Lefko. Again, follow us on Twitter at The Sims and Lefko Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. The amount of listens that we've been getting lately has been really, really encouraging and fun to do. And you're going to be seeing us a lot on the Bleacher Report front page soon. Have a great day, everybody. Peace out.